I don't really like to talk about this topic too much, but there is a topic that I think we need to deal with because there's just so much stuff going on, and that's this, this adversary that we have, Satan. And the one thing that I want to get out front this morning right away, because I'm not giving him any more credit than he deserves, but first of all, we got to realize he's a created being, right? He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not. He's created. He's a created being. God made him, and he's created, and, and then he created problems, which caused him to be fallen. But I think we have to really understand that he spent time in the presence of God. And any time you spend presence, time in the presence of God, you begin to learn, you begin to understand, you begin to take things in, and just being in his presence changes you. So I think we must continually be aware that he's our adversary, he's out there, and he is moving about all the time, doing everything he can to make sure you fail. Now, again, he's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, he's not always there, so wherever he is, that's where he is. But there's also this spirit world, right? And we know that that's very different than this physical world that we have. And I just don't want to spend too much time in that, but I'm going to just talk about how I think we need to be respectful of his position and, and who he is because he's here to trip every single one of us up every time we take a step. I heard this quote a number of weeks ago. And um, I will not pretend to tell you that I am a reader of this man's books because I have not read one, but I did like what I heard. Uh, he's a Puritan writer, and his name is Thomas Brooks. And he said this, if God was not my friend, then Satan would not be my enemy. I thought, wow, that really got inside of me. It's really stuck in me, and it's carried on for quite some time. If God wasn't his, our friend then we wouldn't be an adversary, or Satan would not be our enemy, our adversary. And many of us here, probably not all of us, but the majority here, are probably saved and born again, followers of Jesus Christ. And what I love is if you came here today and you can't say that, you can today before you leave. And we do our best to live our lives to honor Jesus, to share Jesus, to live for him wherever we go because if you've been given his spirit, if you have accepted Christ, he's given you his spirit and you are to be a witness, right? All of us are to be witnesses. <coughs> if that's true for you, true for me, then, then we gotta realize we're part of a kingdom that's always under attack. But we're also part of a kingdom that will only see success. So when I say all that, when you put the name Christian on you, when you allow that title to be something that you wear, when you tell others that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what that does? That puts a target on your back. That's okay. Because we're serving the one that's already overcome. He's already overcome all of that. He's already overcome death, hell, and the grave. Isn't that what most people fear is death? 
They're, they're, they're just terrified to die. They're just because they don't know what's going on. Man, we don't have to be like that because in this, we know that we already have a Savior that's taking care of all of that, and we get to live with that certainty. Let's go um, to your Bibles, however you have brought it this morning. Let's go to 1 Peter, and I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to just read a couple verses, 6 through 8. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. And it says here in the NIV version, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety upon him. Because he cares for you. I, I just, I love that Cam started out this morning. What are you carrying? What are you bringing? What are you carrying in with you today? You can cast it aside. He cares for you. Take that anxiety and get rid of it. Verse 8, be alert. My version says be self-controlled. Because I have a little bit older version of the NIV. And alert, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And then one more verse, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I think that's one of those things that we have to, again, continue to remind ourselves of the things that are going on, the things that we're going through, the troubles, the trials, the tribulations that you maybe find yourself in is not just for us here in America. It's going on all over the world for all the believers all over the world. And I hope you take time to read stories and to look at different things. I love the voice of the martyrs to look at that and see what's going on because it keeps me clued in to what people are living through and other parts of the world. So this being sober, this sober, being sober, being self-controlled and, and, and alert. You know, to be calm, to be collected in spirit. We're not supposed to live in this place of anxiety and worry and fear. We're not supposed to be like that. We're different. We've already got somebody that's taking care of all of that. Cast all that on him. He'll take care of you. Be temperate. Be dispassionate. Circumspect when it comes to these things. For us who are the spirit-filled, who are witnesses, see, we are empowered by God and his spirit. We're told to be a witness wherever we go. The way it says it in our scripture is to be a witness wherever we go in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Maybe I would say it is in our home, in our neighborhood, in our cities, wherever and whenever you're anywhere, you should be living the same exact way, right? Because we're believers in him and we're to be witnesses of him. And it doesn't matter where we end up. That's the way we should be is that type of a witness. But see, our adversary wants to keep us from doing that. He doesn't want us to see the king. He doesn't want to see the kingdom of God advance. Not in any way. Not in any shape or form. I think we all need to remember that none of us will 
ever be able to fly low enough under the radar that, that this adversarial will kind of lose touch with where we're at. He's aware of what's going on, and he's doing everything he can to stop the kingdom of God from growing. So we must remain firm in our faith. Stand firm in who he is, who Jesus is, and, and what he teaches us. Like he tells us even in the scripture here, that our brothers and sisters are standing in that place all over this world. I've just read, I'm, I'm reading a, a book now on the life of Paul. And just knowing what Paul went through, a lot of you know what Paul went through. And it's just absolutely amazing that here this man, this man Paul, who was a murderer, he was really a terrorist in his own ways. He was out dragging men and women and families out of their house, having them arrested. And some of them were being killed. And, and he was okay with all of this because he was leading a lot of it. And then all of a sudden at this time when God said enough, he hit him on this road. He knocked him down. He blinded him. He spoke words to him. And Paul, Paul, what are you doing? Who are you doing this to? You're doing it to me. You're doing it to me. Jesus, the church. <coughs> and he was able to take this murderer and in three days' time, he was stuck blind and he had just himself to deal with at that time, and they got him to a home. And who knows, who really knows what was stirring in Paul's heart at that point. But as soon as Ananias showed up and laid hands on him, it says he prayed for him. And thank the Lord for the Ananiases of our lives <coughs> that will take this time to say, you know what? God, are you sure that's what you want me to do? <laughs> this guy kills people like me. This guy puts people like me in prison. You really want me to go pray for him? Yes, he's the tool I'm going to use. You want to be a tool used by our God? I do. I want him to use me in whatever way he sees fit. So we must remain firm in our faith to him. And if maybe your faith is uncertain right now, man, that's where you have this chance to bend your knee and offer your life to him today. Because he wants to invite you in. So our ability to conquer our adversary will be through faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. So I just thought, as I was putting this together, I want to just take a moment and rehearse some of the names of our adversary. And understand, Scripture talks about it in many different ways, and it's out there all over the place. Satan is one of the main ones that we come by, most common name, I think, that we read. Or the devil, meaning the slanderer, or the prince of the power of the air, the god of this age, the king of death, the prince of this world, the ruler of darkness, Leviathan, Lucifer, the dragon, deceiver, Apollyon, Beelzebub, Belial, the wicked one, the tempter, the accuser of the brethren, the angel of light, a liar, a murderer, the enemy. You can find all these in scripture. You can see all these different things. But I think it's interesting when I read this and I read this translation and I looked up every translation I could on the program that I had and outside of one and it was Darby's reading 
of this scripture. It said that Satan was like or Satan acted as a lion. But see, Jesus is the lion of Judah, right? Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I found it interesting as I was looking at this too. Any lion tamer or trainer or whatever you want to term you want to use for it will tell you that there is no such thing as a tame lion. They all have times. They all have these things. You could see, you could, go, you could Google all you want and see people petting lions and go on the stage because they've had them from very young. But, but everyone that has one will tell you they're not tame. It's a wild animal. And it can today be on its best behavior. And tomorrow, you might think you could stick your head in their mouth. Or you could do these different things, but this thing can snap like that because there's just stuff that's inside of it, right? And that's the way our enemy is. There's just stuff in this enemy that wants to do everything that he can to take out anybody that's living for the Lord. See, we tend to look at lions from the perspective of what we see in movies or, or different things. Like I say, the Lion King or the Wizard of Oz. How many feel like the lion's like that cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz? You know, it's one of those things I remember as a child watching that and laughing. And, you know, it's kind of all cute and cuddly and you want to be around this lion or, or these different things. And how many have ever seen the movie Zookeeper with Kevin James? He's in this zookeeper mode and he starts talking. He's like a Dr. Doolittle. He starts talking with animals and everything like that. And it's just hilarious because then when you see the outtakes after the show, I mean, I get it. Elephants and lions and whatever animals, these birds and eagles, whatever, they don't talk, but they do in this movie. And all of a sudden you kind of get to a point when you've watched the whole movie, oh, it's a, it's a wonderful movie, it's funny, there's comedy, there's love in it, there's all this other good stuff. And at the end they will show you some of the outtakes. And so here he's working with this one elephant in the outtakes. And in this elephant, I think it's got a female voice. And she's kind of like a diva, you know, type of voice, a female diva voice. And, and then when you see the outtakes and you just see this big old elephant with no more voice or anything like that. It's just the raw elephant that you don't control and it's spitting on Kevin James. And it's just throwing junk all over him and stuff like that. It's really quite funny as you're watching it. But the thing is, sometimes I think we get portrayed and we see too many of these things where these things, oh, look, these people are raising a lion in their house or they're raising it in this circumstance for a show or whatever else. And no, these things can snap in an instant. And that's the way our enemy is. They'll pull you in, think everything's just fine, and all of a sudden he turns. So some things that I think we can learn from lions. A lion will first stalk undetected before it attacks. It likes to do a surprise attack, attack whenever it can on its prey. I just, I love to watch these type of videos where you can see lions or tigers type of thing where they can, they can get their belly almost on the ground and they can still walk. And you can just see them moving along and it's just amazing the way that they've been designed 
the way that God created them to be able to keep down. And, and, and what they do is they always sneak attack to the best of their ability to whatever their prey is. Because you know what? Lions can run fast. They just can't run for a very long time. So their best way of doing things is the sneak attack. And they like to do that. And so what does that mean for us? Well, that means we've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready because you know what? When we're not ready, when we think we've got everything, oh, we're just doing so good. And you know what? I found out that, oh, I stopped praying a few weeks ago and I, I haven't been reading my scripture the way that I am. And all of a sudden I find out I'm not to a point where I'm ready for what can come at me. And we've got to prepare because the lion will surprise its prey. And what do they always do? And their attack, the first thing they go for is the throat. And they get on that critter, whatever it is, from Cape Buffalo to deer to whatever they're doing, zebras, they get on there and they just crush that throat. And they crush their neck. But our, that's what our enemy is trying to do. He's trying to crush us. Second thing that I think we can learn from lions Lions catch whatever is easiest. Typically the small, again, those unaware are those that are sick. You know, they're not too greedy. They're not gonna go running into the, the herd of whatever it is and look for the biggest animal that they possibly can because you know, that will feed no, they're going to look for the littlest ones. They're looking for the babies. They're looking for the sick ones. They're looking for the ones that even maybe have a limp or whatever else. And as they are making their attack, they're looking to catch whatever is easiest. That's why we need the church. That's why we need to get together. That's why we need to be building each other up. I'm telling you, I'm going to look right now at the camera. If you're still at home and watching online, you need to get into the house of God. You need to get, there is no way, there's no way you could have experienced what we experienced here in your home today. So I am not being mean, I'm not being nasty. I'm saying get out, get into the house of God. This is where we need to be. And there was such a beautiful spirit during our worship time to see the people coming down and worshiping at the altar as we're in our song. Get out, come on home, come on back into the house of God. Lions will attack what's the most easiest, small, weak, those that are holding out. Let's get back, let's help each other. That's what we are here to do for each other too, is to encourage, to strengthen. You know what, you find out your brother, your sister here has a little bit of an issue, Come up alongside of them, undergird them. Get your arm up under their arm and hold them up. Be there as their prayer warrior. Be there as their prayer friend. A third thing. When the fire goes out, the lions like to move in. Now, you can find out, and I did too, that they're not really afraid of fire, but it's so unnatural to their way of things that it typically fire has to do with humans. They don't like humans too much. Because what does humans do? Humans kill lions. They shoot guns at them and stuff. And you know, these animals begin to understand if I could stay away from that, if I could do that. But you know, what I was looking at is I've, I watched too many of these shows where they go out into the wilderness. Um, can't think of it. Anyhow, 
And they build these bomas around them, you know. And, and they're out there and they have their fire going and they've got these prickly things all around them and these people are spending out 20 some days out in the Serengeti or whatever else. Just blows my mind why you'd want to do that, first of all, but that they do do it. And one of the big things is they always keep a fire going because it's not a natural thing for, for lions to be out. So they do, but you know what happens when the fire goes out? What happens when our fire begins to go out? We turn into lukewarm. And we've got to guard against that. I so appreciated Pastor Pat's message a couple weeks ago when he was talking, and Noah even mentioned it, this idea of where's that first love? How are you doing in that first love for him? And, and, and I had to bend my knee. I had to call out to the Lord. And it's been, I've been dealing with it ever since that message. Because, Lord, I don't want to lose that first love that you gave me. I don't want to lose my passion for your house, for your people, for your word, for prayer, for all of these things that I need in my life to keep me strong, to keep me going, to keep me you know, burning in the way that I need to be burning to keep this fire going. Because if my fire is going, it keeps adversaries away. And then the fourth thing. And my last thing, where stragglers roam, lions feed. You, you watch a whole thing of wildebeest or Cape buffalo or whatever else, and I'll tell you what, as soon as you see one starting to drop off, starting to fall back, you'll see a lion pride begin to attack. And again, that's the same thing, maybe a little bit similar to what I said in the second point. Uh, they look for the sick, they look for the unaware, but when we get lazy again, we start to just roam and we're not doing it, we start to lose touch. And that's what lions will pounce upon. So Peter portrayed the devil here as a roaring lion seeking whom it made, seeking to devour its prey. See, the devil roars like a lion to induce fear into the people of God. And I think in this, and I, I hope, I guess if you totally disagree with me, send me an email. But I really believe that this inducing fear, kind of like maybe words called persecution, just intimidation, these type of things we get worried about, will I be able to stand up to this type of persecution? You know, everything that I've been reading lately, and I, I love this book of Paul that I was telling you just a little bit about. I, my wife turned me on to another book um, called The Heavenly Man, and it's an underground Chinese pastor, and, and just reading his thing, and there's nothing that prepared this man for the torture, the pain, the, the stuff that he had to go through because he was against his entire nation, the nation of China, by preaching Jesus Christ. They have an organized religion. You don't go out and start doing this because when they find you, they, they lock you up. And not only do they lock you up, they punish you and they, they do all these type of things. And I'm, I honestly, folks, I'm reading this book thinking, God, how can you let them do this to your person that is out there being a witness as you called us to be. 
But then as I continue on, and I'm not going to go through all the graphic details that they did of, of things to him. It's just inhumane. One of his parting words as I got towards the end of the book was, please don't pray that they remove persecution from me. Just pray that I will be too able to withstand and, and be strong enough to endure the persecution that comes. Because without this persecution, I'll get lazy. I'll just put things aside. And I don't know how many times I've said, oh, I don't want persecution. I don't want it to come to me. I don't want all that. And I think probably the majority, who wants it? Who's going to go out and ask for it? Oh, persecute me. No, we're not going to ask for that. But I think we can see in our world things are changing and time is coming when I think it's going to be there. And, and what I don't want to do is capitulate to those that are trying to preach something contrary to the word. Because I'm a little bit afraid of maybe some persecution. See, the contrast between God and the devil is very striking. God is tenderly caring for his children. Inviting them to, to cast all their worries, to cast all their cares, so that he can sustain them. God promises to protect his flock. Let me read you verse 2 of this same chapter. 1 Peter 5, verse 2. You're not going to see it on the screen. Just I'm going to read it. And it said, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. In this local church and other local churches, God has placed Pastors and teachers, different people in different position, elders. And our church deacons, we're here to care about you. We're here to love you. We're here to say, serve you. And Jesus has put people in that place to take care of you, to help you, to walk through you when problems are struggling. We're here to help that out. See, conversely, the devil's aim is only to terrify people. He does whatever he can to separate people. So Peter is here warning us as believers to be vigilant. The roaring of the devil is like, is like, he's not, he's not the lion that we have to fear. Because we have the lion of Judah the lion of the tribe of Judah, pardon me, who rules as king in this earth, who, who is the conquering Messiah. Let me end with one last thing here. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in. That should bring us so much comfort. That should bring us so much excitement. Greater is he that's in me. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life today, greater is he that is in you than anything else that's in this world. And you can be so proud. And you can be doing all you can to honor him in that way that if you have made that 
your life. You've made him the Lord of your life. He's working on your behalf. He's put people in your behalf in place to help you through all of this. Will you stand with me today? So if there's anyone that's here today that has not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, let me tell you. Jesus Christ gave himself as the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. Unfortunately, blood came into it all the way back in the garden. But Jesus said, I will give myself. I will allow my blood to be shed so that if you will accept me, if you will believe in me, if you will confess me as your Lord and Savior, you can have me in your life. And I will work on your behalf. And I will call you son. I will call you daughter. I will call you my friend. So Father, we pray right now that if there's anyone that's in this house today that Lord needs to make that profession, that right now they can make that profession to you. And Lord, I'm going to just ask that this congregation would just agree with me wherever that person is in this house today. They can make this profession and just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I need a Savior. And Jesus, I believe that you died. And I believe you were buried. But the greatest thing that ever happened is you rose again on the third day from the dead. And Lord, I want that in my life. I want that assurance in my life that you are my Savior today. So I admit that I need you. I believe that you've done this for me. And Lord, now I commit my life to you. In Jesus' mighty and precious name.